It is such an honor for me to be here, be a part of the series that you guys are in. I love that difference maker. I want to teach on a difference maker this weekend. One thing that will make a difference in your life as you strive and aim to be a difference maker. But first, I want to uh, bring you greetings from Memphis, Tennessee. Anybody ever been to Memphis before? Yes, birthplace of the blues, B.B. King, God rest his soul. Elvis Presley, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies. Can I get a good amen? Uh, we always love when the thunder come to town. We always have a good time in Memphis, and there's always a little battle between the Grizzlies and the, and the thunder. Uh, but welcome, uh, welcome and greetings from, from uh, Memphis, from your family there in Memphis, Tennessee. As Pastor Herbert said, we started our church 19 years ago. My wife and I just celebrated 25 years, got great kids, and things are going well. And uh, we've got a great thing going on at home, so many things, good things that God is doing there. But it's a privilege and an honor for me to be here today and to share the word with you. If you have your Bibles, if you brought your Bible to church, uh, turn over to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. The truth is, the reality is, we are living in a day and an age when many, many people are, are stressed out. Many, many people are, are worried. It seems like uh, worry is a national pastime in our culture, in our society. I released this book, Pastor Herbert mentioned, called Worry-Free Finances, and the truth is it was birthed out of a heart that I had to help people get set free from worry. I feel like too many people were, were worried about too many things. If you Google the word worry, it's like 118, I don't know, 120 million pages show up. I wouldn't recommend it, by the way. Uh, otherwise, you'll start worrying about worry, right? You know, there's so many things that are out there, so many people stressed out and worried. And the truth is, as I studied about worry... I realized the number one worry in people's lives is money. More people worried about money than anything else. Financial worry, financial stress, the leading cause of divorce. I could give you statistic after statistic. Here's one. 72% of Americans worry about money all the time. That means at all of our locations, if you total everybody together, seven out of 10, 70% of people are worried about money, weighed down in their heart about money, about finances. And so I went on this quest to find out what God's word says about finances, because there's got to be a better way. Instead of being stressed out, instead of being worried, instead of being weighed down with anxiety about finances, there has to be a better way. And so I, I just started devouring the word of God. What does God's word say about money? Do you know there are over 800 verses in the Bible about money? 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught deal with money and money management. More is said about money than about heaven. There's more in the Bible about money than about prayer. So much in the Bible about money. And so I took, you know, I took several several months and outlined the Bible. I took those 800 verses in the Bible and I just kind of started outlining and, and, and categorizing and I realized that if you take all of the verses about money in the Bible and break them down, they fall into three main categories. Actually, three steps or three principles. Three big principles and that's the outline of my my book, Worry-Free Finances, unfortunately, fortunately and fortunately, unfortunately, the, the book's doing really well, that's 
fortunately for me. Unfortunately, it's doing well because so many people are worried about money. It's a relevant subject. So the book is outlined in three principles, okay? And uh, I, I think these are the three mega principles in the Word of God about money and about, about, about finances. And I'm just going to teach on one. I'm just going to teach on one this weekend because I think it's the most important. And it actually is the first in terms of order in the Bible. It's mentioned first. It's the first, it's the first principle. And it is the principle of tithing. I want to teach on tithing this weekend. And I love to teach on tithing because I have found that many, many people, many Christians misunderstand this principle, don't fully understand what the Word of God says about it. Many people don't even know what it means. And so I want to break it down and, and make it real simple for you because this one principle has the power and the capacity to totally change not just your finances, but change your life. We're going to see in just a moment how significant it is. Let me start with a simple definition. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Tithing, very simple. Tithing is giving the first 10% of your income to God through your local church. It's the giving of the first 10% of your income. And the first part is important. It's the first 10%. You give it to God and the vehicle that receives it is your local church. The church that you go to, if you're part of people's church, it's people's church. If you're part of another church, it's, it's that church. Whatever church you tell your friends, I go to that church, okay? That's the church I'm talking about. You give your tithe to God through your local church. Here's the thing about tithing. Tithing is mentioned all throughout the Bible. It starts all the way back in Genesis, the first mention of the, of, of the tithe, the first time we find the word tithe is in Genesis chapter 14 where Abraham tithed. It's mentioned 450 years before the law of Moses was given. Some people believe, some Christians say even that, you know, well, tithing is a matter of the law. It's an Old Testament principle. The truth is, it's not an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament principle. It's a biblical principle. It spans, tithing does, it spans every era of God's dealing with man, and it's threaded the principle of tithing is threaded throughout Scripture from, from, from Abraham, our father in the faith. Galatians tells us that every spiritual blessing comes through our father in the faith. Abraham starts with him, Genesis 14, threaded all the way into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, where Jesus himself endorsed tithing and said that we ought to tithe. Tithing, the giving of the first 10% of our income to God through our local church. So let's look at this. Let's look at this passage in Malachi, probably the most extensive passage on tithing in the Bible. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screens. And I'm going to read four or five verses here, just kind of teach through this passage just for a few moments. This, by the way, if you want to be a difference maker, this is the difference maker in your life when it comes to your money, when it comes to your finances. Check it out. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. Everybody say return. return. Okay, watch this. You're going to see this word three times. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? There it is again. Verse 8 says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Here's God's answer, in tithes and 
offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Look at verse 10. It's the solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Do I have any football fans here? Any football fans? Anybody see that game last night, LSU, Alabama? Let me see everybody who saw that game. Okay. I happen to have graduated from LSU. So I'm hoping for some extra sympathy and compassion and extra grace. But i got to tell you a funny story. If you know anything about Alabama, what do they say? They say, roll tide, of course. I was preaching this message one time, and I came to this verse, and this guy was falling asleep. True story. Falling asleep. And I said, bring the whole tithe. And he thought I said, roll tide. (laughs) Alabama fan woke up. Hopefully he started tithing after that message. Bring the whole tithe. Doesn't say roll tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Everybody see that? My house. See, when, when you study the word, you know, church, God's house, the storehouse, temple, all these words are interchangeable for the house of God, church, the church where you go. And then God says this, watch, test me in this, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. Powerful passage. I want you to see five things about tithing from this passage. And if you're taking notes, just jot these five things down. I think they'll really help you. Number one, tithing really is simply giving back to God what already belongs to him. It really is just a matter of giving back to God what already belongs to him. The truth is, it's God's tithe. It's God's tithe. See, when you become a Christian, when you become a Christian, God, the Bible says, redeems your life. Redemption means the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross, and through the blood of Jesus, you were purchased for a purpose. That's what redemption means. Isn't that great? You were purchased for a purpose. You were redeemed. Now, if you're a Christian, and I'm just talking to the Christians now, if if you're a Christian, your whole life was redeemed. That means every part of you became a Christian when you became a Christian. (laughs) That means your money got converted. When you got water baptized, how many of you know you didn't hold your wallet up above the water? Mm. No, every part of you. Every part of you was purchased by the blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed. So as a Christian, something amazing happened in your finances when you became a Christian. The first 10% of your income, it got moved into another category. It became God's. That first 10%. Maybe nobody ever told you that. But I'm telling you today, and I'm telling you out of mercy, and I'm telling you out of grace... And I'm telling you with an expectation that if you will listen and you can redeem your finances by taking that first 10% and putting it into God's hands because it already belongs to him. It has God's name on it. Kind of like when you go to work and you forgot to pack a lunch and you're running behind. So you go into the break room and you open the fridge, snoop around a little bit. Maybe somebody brought some lunch and you see a little Tupperware. Got some masking tape on top, Sharpie, Kathy, in all caps, do not touch, right? But you know Kathy, Kathy's from Louisiana, it might be some jambalaya down in that Tupperware, 
Mm-hmm. So you open it a little bit, smell it a little bit, but don't touch it because it belongs to Kathy. Don't touch Kathy's lunch. And you don't want to take what belongs to God and use it for yourself. Because then you're robbing God. That's why he said it in Malachi. You're robbing me. You're taking what belongs to me. And, and you know, the, the, the hardest part of that message is when, when it says you're under a curse. You're under a curse. And some people have a hard time with that. They say, well, Jesus broke the curse on the cross. And that is true when it comes to salvation. But it is also true that there's going to be consequences in your life if you take what belongs to somebody else and use it for yourself. It's called stealing. And you don't want to take what belongs to God and use it for yourself. It's impossible to think that you can go against the principles or the decrees or the ordinances of God and then come into the presence of God and ask God to bless your life. So when you bring your tithe into church, you're taking what already belongs to him and you're giving it back to him. That's why that passage uses the word return three times. You return what belongs to him. Now listen to this verse, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Uh-huh. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs, belongs to the Lord. It is his. Belongs to the Lord. And then this verse takes it to another level. It is holy. Holy, sacred, devoted. So listen to me, everybody. Far be it from me or you to take what is designated holy, declared holy, and use it for common purposes. It belongs to him. It's God's tithe. Let's bring it back to him. All right, here's number two. Your tithe enables your church to help people. Your tithe. Now, I love the season that we're in, people's church, as we get ready to make commitments and invest over the next 12 months into all these different initiatives. How cool is it that you've gotten approval to go into the prison system and bring people's church into the prison system? What? That's amazing. Come on, can I get a hand? That's unbelievable. That's biblical, by the way. Look at all the verses that say we ought to go into the prison and remember those that are in prison and bless those that are in, that are in those situations. So when you tithe... It enables your church to be strong and healthy. And, and, and in Malachi, it says tithes and offerings. So when you get, listen, your tithe enables your church to function and function well on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. But when you give above the tithe, it's called an offering. And that offering, what it does is it accelerates the vision. Follow me? The tithe makes the vision happen on a consistent basis. The offering above the tithe accelerates the vision it's phenomenal and listen here's the reality the tithe is God's it's God's tithe but it's your offering so tithe is base level as believers but when we give above the tithe then we're going into real sacrificial giving just want you to know and understand that your tithe that 10 percent belongs in the storehouse you don't send your tithe to the red cross nothing wrong with the red cross I believe in the Red Cross. You don't send your tithe to a missionary friend in Guatemala. That's offerings. Your tithe, that first 10%, comes into the house of God because God says, God says, I want my church to win. So here's the reality. For some of you, maybe the first decision to make is, is this my church? 
get planted in the house of God. Psalm 92 says we ought to be planted in the house of God because then our lives will flourish. If you're not sure where your tithe goes, what church it goes to, your first decision is to find a church and to plant yourself in that church. But then you bring your tithe and it goes into your church. And let me just tell you, the church was God's idea. Jesus said, I will build my church. It was God's idea. Jesus went to the cross with the church in mind. The whole book of Acts and from the point of Jesus' resurrection forward is all about the church moving forward. And we're still in the book of Acts, by the way. The book of Acts is still being written because as long as there are churches like People's Church that's making a difference in people's lives, then the gospel is moving forward. And the greatest cause on earth for you and me is to not only be planted in the house of God, but to bring our tithe and invest in the local church. Our church can win when we tithe. We don't want our church to be weak, feeble, anemic. No, we want our church to be strong. Right, everybody? Right, everybody? Anybody with me? Of course we do. Of course we do. And let me just say this, because some people think, you know, think sort of like, well, you know, you know, the church, all the church wants is my money. Anybody ever heard that before? Of course you have. The enemy propagates those kind of thoughts to keep people from being generous because the church is the greatest cause to invest our finances in. But I just want to say this. I want to say this. Listen, your church is impacted by your giving. But if you choose not to give, people's church will still move forward. In fact, many of you haven't given. You haven't invested in this church. And guess what? The church is growing. The church is moving forward. It's opening campuses. Adding vision. So really, at the end of the day, the church is going to move forward whether you give or not. But don't you want to? Don't you want to know that your giving made the vision move forward? Don't you want to know that your giving made a difference? Don't you want to know that you're investing in marriages being restored and you're investing in prodigal sons and daughters coming back home? Don't you want to know that your investment, your tithe, is bringing strength to this house? Because your tithe enables your church to help people. A lot of people being helped in this church. People's Church has an amazing reputation around this country. Your pastors, Pastor Herbert, Tiffany, amazing their leadership. You guys are known, whether you know it or not, you're known around the country, around the world because of who you are and because of what you're doing. You need to be a part of that. Your tithe enables your church to move forward. How about number three? Your tithe opens the door for God to move in your finances. Mm -hmm. This is so powerful. You got to see this. God says that we should test him. Everybody say test. Yes. Think about this, 10%, 10%. So, so, so people ask me, why 10%? Why tithe? Why 10th? Why 10%? Well, I think it's a percentage. It's obvious because it makes it fair. You make 30,000 or you make 300,000, 10%. Everybody, everybody's on level ground. But why 10? Why not 15? Why not 5? The number 10 in the Bible means test. Anytime you read 10, it's going to be associated with testing. Bible says God tested Pharaoh's heart 10 times. They're the 10 plagues, the book of Genesis, Exodus, and that whole story. And I could give you example after example. Tithing is a test. It's a test of your heart. It's a test of your commitment to the things of God. 
But it's a two-way test because not only is it a test of your commitment, but every time you tithe, you're testing the provision of God in your life. You're testing God's strength and God's ability to provide for everything you need. And I can say, as sure as I'm standing here, my wife and I, we've been tithing for 25 years, the 25 years of our marriage. And I've been you know, tithing four or five years before that since I was in. So 30 years I've been tithing, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, you know, you're looking at me, and I'm a living testimony. God provides. God meets every need, and he doesn't just meet needs. He meets the desires of our heart. And I believe I'm here today, and I'm walk, whatever blessing I'm walking in is because of this principle. It is, it's, it's, a, it's a test. It's a key it's the solution. I like to say it this way. I like to say it this way. If God says he's going to open the windows of heaven if I tithe, that means my tithe is the key that unlocks those floodgates, those windows of heaven. And when we read a scripture like this, we, we hear that like floodgates of heaven, windows of heaven, what's all that? I mean, we walk to our car after we leave service today and we look up, we're not going to see any floodgates. We're not going to see any windows in heaven. But just because you can't see them, don't think they're not there. The reality is spiritually, there's a window over your life. There's a floodgate over your life. And your, your tithe is the key that opens that door. And God says he'll throw open, not just open, but he will throw, dramatically get involved and throw open the floodgates of heaven and start pouring out so much blessing in your life, you won't even have room enough to receive it. Man, that sounds good to me. How about to you? How about number four? Your tithe has the favor of God on it. See, the favor is on the first part. The favor of the tithe is on the first part, bringing that first part back to God. I was reading this, was reading this story not too long ago, and something stood out to me. I'd always read this story, and I never really fully understood it. But it has to do with favor. Listen to it. Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Interesting. So Cain was angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door, at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Interesting. I've read this passage in this story over and over again. I read through the Bible. I try to read through the Bible every year, the one-year Bible. Read the story so many times. Didn't really understand it until I landed on that one word. Everything turns on that one word in verse 7, firstborn. See, Abel brought the firstborn. Abel brought the first part. Abel brought a tithe. The difference between their offering, they both brought an offering, but Abel's offering was the first part, the beginning, the tithe. Fascinating. The tithe has the favor on it. That's the favor zone. You step into the favor zone when you start tithing. Anybody want favor? Anybody want God's favor in your life? Come on. Do you want favor in your family? Do you want favor in your finances? you want favor with your business? Come on. Some of you are you're, you're in a business and you kinda, you're like the sole proprietor. It's all up to you, man. It's on your shoulders. I'm going to tell you what. You want God and his favor on your life? 
You step into the favor zone, and the tithing is the favor zone. Listen to me, everybody. I'd rather have 90% with God's favor on it than 100% without the favor of God. Amen. Seems like a very simple thought. God's favor comes when I tithe. One of my favorite books on finances, if you're interested, just recommend this book. It's by Ron Blue. It's called Master Your Money, Master Your Money. And in it, he talks about the five ways we spend our money. There's really only five things we do with our money. We spend it. Okay, here's the first one. If you're interested, jot these down. We spend it. Uh, 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 we pay our bills. We pay our taxes. Boo. <laughs> we, anyway, um, we, we save and then we give. Right? Everybody got it? We spend it. We pay our bills. We pay our taxes. Boo. You got to do that every time. Boo. Uh, we, we save and we give. Now, here's the reality. That list I just gave you is the order of priority for the average American, Christian or non-Christian. So the average Christian person in America, when they get paid, they, you know, go buy that outfit they want, them shoes they've been looking at. Nothing wrong with a good pair of shoes. But they spend it. It's the average American. They spend it, put new tires on the van, whatever it is. Then they pay their bills, pay mortgage and visa and all those other things. Taxes, boo. Then they, you know, save a little bit, transfer some money into the savings account. And then the last thing they do is give. It's the last thing. So listen to me, everybody. Does this, does this order make sense if you really want? So, 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 so let's think about it. If you really want God's blessing, you're going to do all those things first. And then whatever's left over, that's what you're going to bring to God. So you're going to come to God, you're going to come to God, you're going to come to God, and you're going to say, God, I love you, I thank you for giving Jesus, gave his life on the cross for me, and God, I thank you for providing for me, and you know that tuition's coming, and I need that, I need those finances to pay that tuition for, 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 for the school, and Lord, I need those, need those new tires for the van, and I would really want to go on that cruise, girlfriends, going on that cruise this summer, Lord, and, uh, and here you go. And here's the leftovers. Something doesn't seem right about that. You're trusting God with your soul, but you're just giving him your leftovers. Now, now here's, what I, here's what I don't want you to misunderstand. Success financially is not about giving, 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 giving. Some of y'all have been from churches where they've taken three or four offerings in the service, right? They're locking the doors. I know 60% of my church is African-American. I hear stories every week. Scary stories. I'm like, they did what? He did what? That's what I love about this church. Thank God for people's church. It's ordered. It's safe. There's peace. Can I get an amen from somebody? Yes. Yeah, so, listen. We're not locking the doors. Lock the doors, ushers. I got to raise this week's budget. No. We're not doing any of that. It's not about giving, giving, giving. No, no. It's about taking those five things that I gave you. And reversing them, flip them on their head. So the first thing you do, uh-huh. Then you save, number two, pay yourself. It's called saving. Then you pay taxes, boo. Then you pay your bills and you spend last. And you say, well, God, that puts me on the bottom of the list. Yeah, but when you honor God first, you'll be amazed how much you have left for yourself at the end. Can I get an amen from somebody? 
Let me read you a story. I'm going to finish. I'm almost finished. I'm going to read you this story from the book, Worry-Free Finances, story about a couple in our church. I love this story. I want you to think about this story and think about maybe, you know, finding yourself in this story. I would suggest, here's how it starts. I would suggest that you seriously consider contacting a bankruptcy attorney. Never did we dream that we would hear these words from our accountant when we asked him to look over our financial records. Although these words were very hard to hear, we took full responsibility for the financial shape we found ourselves in. We were drowning in debt. The poor choices we had spent years making had finally caught up with us. We had lived a me-first life, giving little or no thought to how our choices and decisions were hindering our walk with God. Fast forward a couple of years, still buried beneath the burden of debt, desperately trying to dig our way out, yet seeing no light at the end of the tunnel, we made a decision that would dramatically change our lives. One Sunday morning, our family walked into the Life Church. From that divine moment on, our lives haven't been the same. We will never forget the Sunday we heard the message on tithing. We had never heard such solid biblical teaching on this matter. We left that day determined to make tithing a priority in our family. We began to write the first check of the month to the Life Church. We realized we could no longer give God our leftovers. We decided to place ourselves on a strict budget. For the first time in our lives, we desired to honor God with our finances. We felt a strong call to stewardship, and we began to attack our debt in a way that we had never before, literally from the day we wrote our first check to the Life Church, God began to bless our lives. Our dental practice began to flourish. As other dental offices were suffering because of the economy in 2008, we were seeing more patients than ever before. That year, our practice prospered above and beyond what we could have ever hoped. As we faithfully committed our first fruits to God, He faithfully provided for us. Listen to this. During 2008, we paid off $85,000 in debt. Today, we are completely debt-free. We paid off our mortgage, and we continue to live on a strict budget, faithfully offering our tithes and offerings to God. We are a living testimony of the principle of tithing. We have seen God's hand and experienced his blessings, not only financially, but much more importantly, spiritually. We are in awe of his greatness and amazed at his faithfulness. Come on, isn't that a great story? Unbelievable. Here's what I want you to know. That story could be your story. That, that could be you 12 months from now. Some of you are in so much anguish over your finances, over your money. Let me just encourage you. Put God first. And make that decision that the first check you're going to write when you get paid is to your church. People's church. For 10%. It's God's tithe. When, when I get paid... My paycheck's automatically deposited into my account. I wake up that morning. Listen to me, everybody. I wake up that morning, and it may sound legalistic, and I don't mean to sound legalistic, but this is how passionate I am about this. The first thing I do that morning is I transfer that money. I get online, get onto our website at the Life Church, and I pay my tithe. I want that tithe out of my account. It does not belong to me. It belongs to him. I want it out of my hands, and I want it into his hands because that's when I know the favor is going to start flowing in my life. Let me finish with this. Number five, write this down. Number five, tithing. It's not a money issue. It's a trust issue. This is not a money issue. It's not how much you make. I make too much to tithe. My tithe is too much. It's not about that. It's about your trust 
It's about your trust. Who are you trusting? Let me ask you a question. This is an important question. Who are you trusting for your provision? You think about it. Who are you trusting? Are you trusting your husband for your income? Are you trusting your wife? Are you, trust are you trusting your employer? Let me ask you. Are you trusting your company? You're putting your trust in a company to provide financial security? Are you putting your trust in an investment? Are you putting your trust in the economy, in the government? Come on. There's only one you can trust. His name is Jesus, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus himself in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, said, have faith in God. That's who you have to trust. Put your trust in him, and I'll tell you how you trust him. By taking that first 10%, God's part. Bringing your tithe into the house of God. And saying, God, this is your plan. I'm standing on the word. And I know you're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, I won't have room enough to store it. Now, I'm going to finish with this thought. Every time I teach on tithing, there are three groups of people. No matter when and where, and I try to be faithful in our church to teach it several times a year, money is such a relevant subject. So many people are consumed with making money, and they're worried and fearful about money. We need to teach on money more because it's a problem for many, 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 many people. Anytime I teach on tithing, I recognize there's three groups of people, and you're in one of these three groups, okay? First group, those of you that are tithing, you know this is a principle from the Word of God, and you've been tithing. You've been faithful. Let me just encourage you. Keep tithing. And let me tell those of you that, that are tithing, maybe you're like, well, I haven't seen, you know, what, what I'm hoping to see, and, and I haven't seen kind of the blessing, the provision. There are things that you don't see that did not happen to you this last 12 months. There are things that could have happened that God prevented because there's a whole passage in Malachi about the tithe preventing things from happening. There is a hedge of protection. Listen to me. Don't mess around. There's a hedge of protection in your life when you tithe. So you keep going. Don't get discouraged. Keep taking that first 10%, that check, bringing it in, that online giving. Here's the second group. The second group are those of you that are hearing about this principle for the very first time. And you're like, what? Never heard of this. You're kind of like, whoa. But there's faith in your heart because anytime the Bible is preached, Romans 10, 17 said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the Word of God's being preached. And even though you're hearing about this for the very first time, there's faith rising in your heart for it. You may need to go contemplate and read through these scriptures. But make no mistake, God's calling you to tithe. It's not by coincidence that you're here. Here's the third group. The third group are those of you that know this principle is true and it is real and it's in the Word of God. And maybe you used to tithe, but for whatever reason you stopped. And let me just encourage you. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not meant to condemn this message. This is the conviction of the Holy Spirit reaching out to you because you can start today. You can start today. And I know what you're going to say. I can't afford to tithe. Can I just tell you, you cannot afford not to tithe. You cannot afford not to tithe. 
You say, well, it doesn't make sense. We're not making it now. We're over our budget now. We're living from paycheck to paycheck. How am I going to add a temper? Listen, that's why you have to do it first. There's no way you're going to see the blessing on the rest unless you put God first. As long as it's the last thing you're doing, you're never going to be able to do it. And don't try to calculate all the back tithing. The last year and a half, I haven't been tithing. I'm going to try to give it all together. No, 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 no. You're going to get all caught up in all that and all kind of burden and condemnation. Just start today. Listen to me, everybody. Just start today. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Let's rejoice. Let's enjoy today. Let's do what God's called us to do today.